there's a basically a twofold purpose for giving into the kingdom of God, the work, the work of the kingdom, and that is to benefit the kingdom in the work that it's doing through the local church, through helping the poor, um, helping missionaries and things like that, uh, supporting and, and sending forward our, um, our guest ministers that come in. Um, it's helping the work that we're contributing to. Um, for instance, when you give to the church, it's helping our church to minister to the people that come to the church, but also it, it, is, um, it plays a part in helping our church, us together as a whole, to reach our community and then um, the world. Amen. Um, you know, God, he, he never had anything less than a worldwide vision. And, um, you know, here at Family Harvest Church, we're a church with a world vision because God had a world vision and I don't want anything less um, than what God had. If he's given me his heart, then he's given me his capacity. Um, if he's given me his spirit, he's given me his capacity um, um, for the world. And so why would I settle for anything less? I remember I was seeking God. It was uh, back in like 1997 or something like that. And, you know, just normally like what we would do periodically when we're just seeking a fresh anointing or a fresh um, um, you know, just in feeling of the Spirit of God. Um, and I was asking God from my heart. I just began praying, God, I ask that you would increase my anointing. And, and uh, you know, I'm just supplicating in that. And the scriptures, you know, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And just, you know, going through the scriptures and supplicating on the promises of God for a fresh and feeling, a fresh anointing. And, um, uh, and not just a fresh anointing, but an increased anointing. And um, you understand what the anointing is? It's uh, Isaiah ten twenty seven describes it best. It says that, that the anointing is to remove burdens and destroy yokes. Um, his yoke, talking about the enemy, the devil, his yoke shall be, um, or his burden shall be removed and his yoke shall be destroyed that's on our life because of the anointing, the, the, the supernatural power of God, the um, I think it was Creflo Dollar said it was the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. That's, in, the, in a nutshell, the definition for the anointing. And when you realize that you've got issues that you can't fix yourself, that's when you know you need the anointing. Because we try to do everything ourselves. And so, you know, I knew I was called to the ministry. And, you know, some of you may very well be called to like a preaching or teaching or uh, some sort of ministry uh, in that aspect. But other people may not be called to like a pulpit ministry or they may not be called to sing, but whatever it is that you're called to do, that is a ministry. Even if it's a business, that is your ministry. The, the people you come into contact with, you're going to have a greater influence on them than I would. You see, m my influence primarily is, is to minister to those that are coming to the church. But then, of course, you know, as a Christian, when I go to United, I'm not a pastor. I'm, I'm Christian Joey. You know what I mean? I got to uh, share the gospel with them and, and uh, you know, and try not to be in a hurry. So I make sure I'm um, ministering to who I need to minister to and, and um, just being a blessing. And so, but, but as a, you know, as a pastor, I'm saying, uh, I'm not going to be able to reach the people that you're going to be able to reach. And so you're, you're going to need the anointing for that. And well, I was seeking God for an increase of anointing for my ministry, the work that God had called me to do. And, um, and just as I'm supp supplicating, I don't know if it was about 45 minutes or an hour there, I was just laid out on the floor in my bedroom. And not audibly, not like, you know, how you hear me talking to you now, but just so clearly in my heart, it was like God just said, um, he said, if you will get a worldwide vision, 
I will give you a worldwide anointing. And, um, you know, I, I, I hadn't even thought of that term, worldwide anointing, you know. Um, but he said, if you will get a worldwide vision, I will give you a worldwide anointing. And that's all he said. But I just, I knew what that meant. I, I understood about the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and have a heart for the nations of the world, not just your community, you know, or not just those within the four walls of the church, not just you and your family and your, your kinfolks, you know, but um, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. That's what Jesus said. He said, um, you shall receive power. In Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. And so, um, so I, I love this because sometimes we think we have to finish everything we've started before we do something else. And... Um, you know, and, and I mean, in some instances you do. I, ha I, I, I had an uncle, he's, he's went home to be with the Lord now, but he was always on a project. But the problem was is that when he got bored with the project, then he would start something else. And so he would have uh, like a boat over here. He had like, you know, five or six acres. He'd have a boat over here, a race car over here, you know, and just this engine, uh, you know, covered by, a, you know, a big old plastic sheet or something like that, you know, that he's working on and and a old Mercedes like, you know, that he's I'm going to get that fixed up one of these days, you know, but he would get so excited, you know, he and he did finish a lot of stuff, but he, there was a lot of stuff he didn't finish either. And so it was just funny um, because Alfred would always start things and he would work on it tirelessly from sunup to sundown. Uh, until he just got bored with it, you know, and then now, because now he's, he's uh, focused on something else, you know, but, but, you know, we don't have that kind of capacity in ourselves, but God, he can walk and chew gum at the same time, like he, but we think that he's so much like us, and so we just think we have to finish everything before we can do something else, but check out the way this words it. It says, um, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you and you shall be witnesses unto me both. I mean, that, that, that doesn't mean do this now and when you get all finished, then you do the other. That's not both, okay? Both means you got it, you're doing it at the same time. And then it says both in Jerusalem and, say and, and, and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. If he was talking about a five point, progressive plan he would have said next after that then but he didn't he said and and is a conjunction conjunction that's connecting these things together now you cannot do that by yourself can you i mean i don't even know i mean here we could just take it at home that's the reason why god gave me uh, the way he said it to me is that the vision in a nutshell that god gave me for the church is that you know we're called to proclaim the message of redemption louder and louder in post texas garza county and the world and so you you have to kind of you have to bring this home no pun intended but like most of us probably none of us probably never been to jerusalem you know so that doesn't really like relate to us but if you said um you shall be witnesses unto me both in post and in Garza County, and in West Texas, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. I mean, it kind of brings it home for you, you know. That's what we're called to do. But I couldn't just do post-Texas by myself. I mean, I need an anointing for post-Texas, much less, you know, Garza County, West Texas, the United States, and the world, you know. So I'm seeing this vision, and uh, the more I see of the vision, the more in need of that I, I know I am for God's ability. And so... Um, 
what God told me in answer to my prayer um, and supplication for an increase of an anointing was he said, if you'll get a worldwide vision, I will give you a worldwide anointing. In other words, let's just forget about this little increases here and there. Let's just go for the whole worldwide anointing. So I just right there, I made a decision on the inside of my heart that I would surrender my whole life to God, that I would go where he wanted me to go. I would do what he wanted me to do and uh, say what he wanted me to say, stay where he wanted me to stay. See, it takes faith. A lot of times when we think about faith, we think about going, but it takes just as much faith to stay as it does to go. There's, it takes faith to go, but it also takes faith to stay. And so that's the reason why you got a lot of people who are starters, but then they're not finishers because they didn't develop that, they didn't realize um, or account for the obstacles that are gonna come and the, and the attacks that are gonna come because when you are in the will of God, there will be attacks. And when you start getting attacked like that and you know you're doing what you're supposed to do, maybe it was a business you started or, or some kind of um, uh, uh, financial investment that you feel like God's led you to do, you know, there, it, a lot of times when, when that is God, there will be opposition, there will be attacks. And so, you, you know, you've got to... Uh, uh, you got to make your pleas to God and, and, and seek him for his strength and his ability. And, you know, Isaiah says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength or exchange their strengths. In other words, I know my strength's not enough. I need yours. So you go in his presence and, and he just like takes your strength out, puts his strength in and sends you out like a pit stop. You know what I mean? And, um, and so you go out of there refreshed and, and, um, and all cylinders hitting on, uh, when they're supposed to be hitting and, 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 and uh, you know, your spark plugs firing when they're supposed to be firing and, and uh, all, your, all your flats are fixed and you got new, new rubber, you know, and it's just, man, you're ready to tear up the road, you know, and, um, but you got to pull over, you got you to get it, you know, and you can't do it yourself, so. You know, I'm just saying all this because, because I realized that. I came to that point and God just said, if you'll get a worldwide vision, I'll give you a worldwide anointing. And so I just, I just right there, I made the adjustment. I didn't even have an invitation to go to, you know, overseas, much less across the street. And, and it was somewhere about that time that, that in, in those times of prayer that God told me, he said that um, I'm going to open up doors for you in the nations before I do in the United States. Now, to me, that's like unheard of, like impossible. So I just said, well, okay, you know, I mean, you said it. It's not my job to do it. It's just my job to believe it and say, I agree. Praise the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your word. And, you know, at that time I had gone to Jamaica like once in England, I think was the only two trips at that point that I had been on, short mission trip. But God told me, he said, I'm, I'm going to open up doors for you in the nations before I open up for you in the state. It just didn't make sense. Like, uh, you know, that's just going to have to be totally God. And well, you know, now um, I've been to um, 19 nations ministering outside of the United States. And some of those I've been four or five times the same places. And I haven't even been to that many states to visit, much less preach in. You know, and even just now, like a door here and there, like the last couple of years, like more opportunities started coming in the States, but that's just very, very seldom. And I'm not even looking for that really, but you know, um, God's fulfilling that promise. S why? How? Simply because I just said, you know, I, I will, I will let your vision become my vision. And then, see, the thing is, is, a lot of times we're asking for something that we don't even qualify for because I was asking for an increased anointing, but I wanted to think about and, and think the same way and have the same plans and have the same ideas. Well, what is he going to do with that? Yeah. I mean, what am I going to do with that if he was yeah. to give it to me? Where would he pour it? Mm -hmm. You know, 
And it's like the Lord, and now he didn't tell me that that night or that day rather, but just over time, it's like the Lord said to me, like, I don't waste my anointing. I don't waste my anointing. I'm not going to pour it out on the ground, you know, for you when you're asking for more. And, and that's when he said vision is the container for the anointing. So if, if I want or if you want an increase of anointing in your life, the burden removing yoke destroying power of God in your life, um, you're going to have to increase your, your vessel, your container. And that container is the vision. Okay, and so you want a bigger anointing, you got to get a bigger uh, vision. Amen. And as you start seeing more of God's heart in that situation or that calling that he's called you to, how he can receive glory, you know, um, I mean, like, you know, Stacy does taxidermy. God can get glory out of that. You know what I'm saying? When you're making that, you can say, Father, I thank you. You're helping me to 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 make this deer look better than anybody's ever been able to make a deer. Where everybody, they'll just look at that and they'll say, that's Stacy's work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they'll know, you know what I'm saying? But then you'll be able to say, they'll say, how do you do it? And say, you know what, I just, I just asked God to help me. And that, 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 that's a ministry. You see what I'm saying? And, um, and, and, you know, it's important that people know that it's not just because you're just so hot, you know, and so awesome, you know, I mean, and whatever it is that you're doing. But you tell the people, you know what, God's given me. Any ability I have is because God gave it to me. You know, and uh, I didn't wait till I felt like I was ready. I just obeyed. And man, um, you know, you like it now, but you should have seen it like five years ago. You know what I mean? It's like I've come a long way. But so many people want to wait till they feel like it's professional or they feel like they're ready or, you know, all their ducks are in a row. But nobody ever accomplished anything for God when they were waiting for all their ducks to get in a row. You know the expression? You know, and I've heard it said this way that, um, you know, as soon as you ever did get your ducks in a row, God's going to come knock them down. Because he doesn't want those ducks to get the glory. You know what I mean? He'll mess those ducks up and then he'll do it anyways. And leave you just staggered like, you know. And people say, how'd you do that? And say, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> There'll be no temptation for you to say, <clears throat> well, you know, I'm just so awesome, you know. No, you're going to be just as floored or even more floored than the other people who's seeing what's getting done. Because God wants to, that's how God gets the glory is when there's, there's no other option but him. He's the only one who could have made it happen. And so the Lord told me, he said, um, you know, I, I don't waste my anointing. You're going to have to increase your vision. Or, and, and vision is the container for the anointing. And then in um, Proverbs, it says, without a vision, the people perish. And it was like I was meditating on that. And I realized that it was the vision that was the hope for the people. Without a vision, the people perish. So whatever it is that God's called you to do, you have to get a vision for that. And when you get a vision for it, God will fill you with his glory. He'll fill you with his anointing, fill you with his strength to fulfill that mission. And the people then will not perish. But I wonder how many people are perishing because people have not received the vision that God had for them or for the call that he's placed on their life. And so I realized right there that, you know, God's called me to the world so that, why did God send Jesus? So that they would not what? Perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law happy is he. Where there's no vision, the people perish. You see, so um, then he tied that to John 3.16. We can go to John 3.16 now where it says, God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish, right? But have everlasting life, all right? So here's the thing. God had a worldwide vision, didn't he? God so loved the United States, Israel, Jerusalem. It's a, God so loved the world. God had a worldwide vision, didn't he? 
see, watch this, his vision uh, required an action. It, it initiated an action. His vision demanded action. God so loved the world that he gave, and he didn't just try to help out. You know what I mean? But a person who has a vision for something, a person who has a passion for something, their heart is to, is to do the whole thing if they could. Where Paul was talking about the church at Macedonia, they were in deep poverty, but regardless, they, they gave all that they could and beyond their ability, Paul said, um, and then even gave themselves in other words, just giving your substance, just giving your money is not necessarily giving everything. You know, God wants you too. And so they, not only that, Paul said, did they give more than they were able of their finances, of their substance, but they freely gave of themselves. So they said, what do you want me to do now? That's a person who has a vision, whose heart is, is in the, the, the plan of God, the purpose of God, that assignment. God, he wanted to do just more than just help us a little bit in our condition, but he wanted to redeem us and to purchase us back. So he gave what was closest to him. The Lord said it to me this way, that God gave what was closest to him so he could receive that which was farthest from him. You see, but we want, a lot of times we want more than we're willing to invest you know what I'm saying? But God didn't want anything to be out of his reach, so he gave what was nearest to him so that he could lay hold on what was furthest from him, you see? And now he qualified. He, he's operating in these laws too. They started with him. They've been since before the beginning of time. God operated in these laws of seed time and harvest, uh, of giving and receiving. Um, see, God so loved the world. What did he do with that love? Gave. He gave, you know? That, that is the first uh, response for someone who loves is to give. And what do they give? They give what means the most to them, okay? Um, God wants us to give what's precious to us, our, our precious, and um, you know, but then it makes me think of the Lord of the Rings. It's like, precious, you know? <laughs> it's like, that's what God wants. That's what God wants. He wants precious. <laughs> because see, if you hold on to precious, you know, but then he's like, well, here's $5, precious. You're like, God don't want that five. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God wants that that you don't want to give. That's what God wants. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because why does God expect that? Because he gave that. Yeah. And he put his nature on the inside of us. And so when he sees less than what he did, he knows we're not up to par. Yeah. Tapped into that. Amen. If you want to tap into that kind of harvest, you got to tap into that kind of giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's the seed. And here's what he was believing for. You got to name your seed. You got to call it in. You can't just throw it. You got to sow it. You know, you might have heard me say that or someone else say that. But um, it's a worship. It's not just pass the bucket as fast as you can so we can get the service started. No, that is part of the service. Because that is something that we worship God with. And look, if we spend five minutes or if we spend 45 minutes or the whole service talking about the offering, in my heart and mind, I hope you know me by now, it's not because I want to get you to give 20 more dollars or something. You know what I mean? It's like, I hope you come already prepared, set what you're going to do, prayed about it, got a piece yeah. about it. I'm, what, I, what I'm trying to do is to help you to receive from your giving, not to get more from you. Amen. So it's to build faith on the inside of you so that you don't just get that attitude. It was like, oh, hurry and please hurry and pass the bucket, you know, so I can throw this check in there or whatever. No, it's like, because I want you to receive from your sowing, from your giving. And think of your giving as seed. 
You know, because if you're not thinking of your giving as seed, then you're probably not gonna be getting a harvest because you're probably not gonna be expecting one. But you know, and that's where I started off saying that there's two purposes in a seed. When you give, it's so that you can benefit the church, the organization, the ministry, or the, the person that you're giving to, maybe a poor person or, or something like that. Maybe you're buying somebody food or helping somebody with clothes. You know, you're helping that person. But then on the flip side, God calls giving seed. So that means that when you give, you're actually sowing seed. And the person who reaps the harvest is the one who sows the seed. The person you gave to gets, that was their harvest. But your seed is their harvest. Their harvest is your seed. So who knows what they sowed for God to move your heart to do for them what you did, right? Yeah. Okay, I mean, that's their harvest, all right? But now what you've given, that's for your harvest. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. It didn't stop there. That whosoever so he said this is why i'm giving jesus so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life now we read over in the book of hebrews it says that he has brought many 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 sons unto glory look it says the only begotten right that means there's not any other ones but did you know that's the last time you read of jesus referred to as the only begotten after his resurrection he's called the firstborn not the only begotten and that's why he's called our, have you heard the phrase, our elder brother or elder brother Jesus? He's referred to that as that in the Bible. Why? Because he's the oldest. He's the firstborn of many brethren. Um, another way it's put is the captain of our salvation. In other words, the captain always goes before the crew, right? So he's the captain of our salvation and, or, or the firstborn of many brethren. And so where there's, a, where there's a firstborn, man, there's a secondborn. There's a thirdborn. A fifth born, a millionth, a billionth born. They've been, children of God have been, been born ever since Jesus was raised from the dead. Amen? So here's the seed. God gave his only begotten son, and, and here's what he expected, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God's been reaping a harvest of sons and daughters ever since that time. Isn't that awesome? I mean, and the harvest has not ceased. This is like an eternal thing. Amen. I mean, how, how long am I going to be reaping off the seed I've sown? Man, as long as you're living. And then when you're doing eternal things, you still reap in the eternity, for eternity. Amen. Amen. But Jesus said, you shall receive, you know, a hundredfold now in this time. So he's not even just, that's just counting this time a hundredfold. So what, what's awaiting us past this time? He said, and in the time to come, life everlasting. So you're gonna just keep on reaping that life, amen? amen? And Jesus didn't he say, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly? You know, you, you've got to cooperate with God. You have to cooperate with the laws of God, the laws of faith, the laws of giving and receiving, and that determines the measure of life that you receive. Because he said, I've come that you might have life and, so it's two things he came to give, not just one, life and abundant life. So it's inward life, and, and life overflowing that manifests in my finances and manifests in my health, manifests in my peace and my joy. That's a harvest and that's the greatest harvest. That's why in 3 John 2 he says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So the most important thing that needs to prosper in our lives is, the, is our spiritual life. 
all right? And then he says when you prosper your spiritual life, you can't help but to prosper in these other areas because it will overflow. But a lot of Christians want to get wealth like the world. They just want to go and chase after the money and then they have this illusion of prosperity. But they don't have the inner peace. They don't have the inner joy. You know the sin of loving money? Um, you don't even have to have a dime to commit that sin. You don't have to have money to love money. In fact, some people, it's not just that they're, that they're not, wouldn't do anything bad. It's just that they lack opportunity. <laughs> Come on up here and give it, honey. In Habakkuk 2.2, 2, it says, you're like, that was my next verse. <laughs> it says, and the Lord answered me. I'm on yellow. I'm sure y'all can hear me. But, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, engrave it plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes by may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. And then this is, it says, verse three says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. And, you know, just like we have appointments at the doctor's office or the dentist, or we have, you know, appointment, whatever it is, there's an appointed time that you're supposed to go there. And if you go early and it's like, uh, I really, I was really needing to get my hair cut today. I know my appointment's in three days, but can I please, 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 can I come today? No, I'm sorry. You know, we have appointments. And the same is with, you know, the vision that God puts in your heart. We're like, right now, right now, I want this right now. Please, I want this to just do all this, everything right now because it's in my heart. I know what I want. But God says that there's an appointed time and it hastens to fulfillment. So, and it will not deceive and it will not disappoint. And though it tarry, wait earnestly for it. What is waiting earnestly? To be in faith. You know, I mean, when we have our hair appointment, when we have our braces appointment to get our braces off, hallelujah. No, she can. Then we're waiting earnestly for something, right? By faith, we're waiting. We're looking. We're seeing it's written down we have it on our thing and and the same thing is with the vision the things that God puts in your heart you have to keep them before you so you're not uh, just forgetting about it but on the other hand you're developing and cultivating patience and faith to know that it though it tarry wait earnestly for it for because it shall because it shall surely come and it will not be hindhand on its appointed day wow and then in Hebrews 10 I don't know what that behind hand word was. The what? The behind hand? Oh. It says it will not be behind hand on its appointed day. Okay. You say backhand? I know what a backhand is. I don't know what a behind hand Well, my kids might know what a behind hand is. <laughs> okay. I wanted to give somebody a backhand this week, but we won't go there. <laughs> not not her. <laughs> she would hit me back. <laughs> okay, Hebrews ten thirty-five. I didn't mean me. I did not even think about me, please. Okay, Hebrews ten thirty-five. It says, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries great and glorious compensation of reward. And that's what we can do. If we're just like, Man, I just waited and waited for that appointment, but it just taking so long, I'm just not I'm just not going. Well then you're not gonna get the reward or the compensation that's there. But for you have need of steadfast patience, endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God. And thus receive and carry away and joy to the full what has been promised to you. For still a little while, 
is in a very little while it says and the coming one will come and he will not delay but the just must live by faith my righteous servant shall live by his conviction respecting man's relationship to god and the divine things Okay, if he draws back, if he shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or no pleasure in him. So God is expecting us to be in faith. I don't know for 39, but let's see. But our way, is that enough? Okay. Oh, okay. But our way is not that of those who draw back to eternal misery or perdition or utterly destroyed, but we... It is. But we are of those who believe, who cleave to and trust in and rely on God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And by faith, we persevere the soul. We preserve the soul. Wow. The Amplified really amplified that one. No, by faith, we preserve the soul. So just having patience, faith, keeping the vision, writing it, and... um, you know, just expecting. I have an appointment for God. God, I trust you. You put this in my heart. I didn't just dream this up from La La Land, but you put it in my heart, and I trust you, and I'm waiting patiently, and I'm not going to grow weary and well-doing, but I'm going to wait, and I'm going to just expect it to come to pass. Thanks, honey. That was a good word. Um, something she was saying on there before we close, I want to, I know we're, something uh, on here in, in chapter 10 there. Uh, in verse 35, do not therefore fling away your fearless uh, confidence for it carries great and glorious compensation of reward. You know, there's compensation for yeah, sure. patient enduring and, and waiting. But if we don't get it like by tonight, it's like we're like, where's God, you know? And, and you know, so that's where your compensation comes from. That's where your prosperity is going to come from is just your patient enduring and waiting um, for 36 says for you have need of steadfast patience and endurance. So really, if we're going to get what God has for us, it's going to be a while. It's just going to not come like today or tomorrow. You know, I mean, you'll have great blessings, but it's not going to be things that's going to just totally you might get spiked to a new level. But the next month you're back kind of where you were. And those are like blessings lowercase b you know and it's it's so it's like we get these daily blessings he he daily loads us i mean with blessings and and he gives us our daily bread and so there's these blessings that come to us but but then there's those times where he brings us up to a new level those new level blessings where you're sustained at those don't come like tonight tomorrow those just come from being faithful walking day by day it and, it, and let me tell you this it comes so slow that you don't know it's happening until you like see fa- a Facebook picture from five years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, did I wear that shirt? You know, <laughs> did, <laughs> did, our, did our furniture really look like that? You know, and it's not that you have bad, would even have bad furniture, but it's just like God brings you to another place where you're just like, that is not even my thing anymore. You know what I mean? And so it's like, you know, you can, it's, it's, it, this, this blessing and increase, it, it happens so slow that you don't know it when it's happening. And that's good because then you, you can't get prideful about it. You know what I mean? You can't start thinking, well, whoop-de-doo, look what I'm doing. No, you're just living your day-to-day life. It's like a kid who grows. You don't know they're growing until you measure them because you're with them every day. You don't see that they're growing, but then you have a a relative that comes, you know, two or three times a year, and they're like, 
man, Ben, look at you, boy, you know. And you, but maybe Brooke, you know, and, and Riley, Rachel, Robert may not have even thought about it because they see him every day, see. And that's how the, the financial growth happens in our life because we're with ourselves all the time until we look back and that's when we can see the goodness of the Lord. Like, where, look where he's brought me from. It's hard to say sometimes, look where he's brought me, because you really, you can't just tell the difference sometimes in your mind. But other people can see today what you can't see yet. I think a key to what you're saying is gratitude. Because when you have gratitude for what you do have, I think, you know, that's what he's experiencing is, like he didn't, you know, you don't really think about that you're living on the littler, because you're grateful and then as you begin to progress and grow then you look back and you see man look where God has brought us from and then another thing just that God requires faith and faithfulness so he's that's the thing that brings him pleasure and glory and so he is waiting to get that from you as he grows and develops you in the natural he's watching that spiritual growth of course like uh, because our the prosperity of our soul Amen. But it emphasizes the importance of waiting. And um, the indication is that it's going to be such a while that there's going to be temptation to draw back, to shrink back from your faith, from your expectancies. So it's just saying we are not of those who draw back, but of those that believe to the saving of the soul um, in the King James. But um, we're going to receive all that God has for us when we just refuse to draw back. Second Corinthians 9 uh, verse 6 I'm reading out of the King James. It says, but this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. And he that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. In other words, not because you're, 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 you're feeling like you're being coerced to do it. Not, don't give because you feel like you're being manipulated to give more and made to feel guilty. Uh, the message translation says, don't give out of arm twisting. So it's like you got to really make sure you're being led by the spirit on things. And but, you know, you, you don't give based on need. Why? Because God doesn't give based on need. God's not moved by need. God's moved by faith. OK. And so then it says um, uh, God loves a cheerful giver. I think it's the Jordan translation that says he loves a giver with a smile. And so he's just like, you know, this is what I've purposed in my heart to do. Um, I feel good about it. You know, I'm happy to be a part of it, you know. <clears throat> and then it says what God's going to do. Here's the harvest. God is able to make all grace abound towards us. And what does grace do? That you always having all sufficiency in all things. This is not talking about spiritual stuff. May abound unto every good work. And not just help a few things and, and be a part of a few things, but to be able to be a part of every good work. Now, in verse uh, 9, it says, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. Um, dispersing abroad, that just means like, I mean, man, I'm just giving everywhere I go. Yes. You know, um, he has given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. Um, then verse 10, now he that ministers seed to the sower, God is the one who ministers seed to the sower. All right. So that means you have to qualify um, God's not going to give you something unless you're a sower. So he says he gives seed to the sower because he knows what you're going to do with it. And you become a sower by reputation. And so when you become a sower, God, that's who God's looking for to give to. He gives seed to who? Sower. The sower. Now it says it both ministers bread for your food and multiplies your seed sown. So when God gives you seed, it's for two purposes. It's to meet your need 
and then there's supposed to be a portion of that that's used as seed to go back into the ground to to be a blessing to someone else. And then it says, when you sow that seed, he'll multiply your seed sown. Say multiply. multiply. Now, the reason why God places time in between the planting and the reaping is because he wants to do more than add to our seed. He wants to multiply our seed. So we want God to hurry up, but then we want a huge harvest. You, you cannot have a multiplied harvest with a, uh, with a quick harvest. Multiplied harvest are slow harvest. That means there's deep roots that's growing to be able to sustain the massive, enormous harvest that's coming. And so there's a lot of growth taking place underground where you can't see it for a long period of time. And so that's why, you know, with that patient endurance, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna reap in Galatians 6, as you reap if you faint not. Uh, and don't grow weary in well-doing. For in, in due season you will reap if you faint not. Amen.